Hello, and welcome to the Retirement Repair Shop. I'm your host, Mary Beth Franklin. In this third season of our podcast series, brought to you by Transamerica, we will focus on women investors and the unique challenges they face. From late-in-life divorce to increased longevity, a range of social changes has transformed how Americans control their family finances. Baby boomers control about 70% of affluent households' investments, and most of that wealth is held by married couples. Over the next decade, these household assets will change hands as most women outlive their husbands. In fact, by 2030, McKinsey & Company estimates that women are likely to control $30 trillion of those assets. Now, while women-controlled wealth may present vast opportunities, managing it requires a nuanced approach. During this third episode of the Retirement Repair Shop, we will delve into the emotional and financial challenges of widowhood. Here is a staggering statistic. 80% of women die single, while 80% of men die married. That means most married women will experience the trauma of widowhood, and financial advisors can do more to help them through it. Apparently, there's lots of room for improvement in financial services, as an estimated 70% of women leave their financial advisors within the first year of a spouse's death, a clear signal that they feel underserved. Here to talk about the challenges of working with widows and insights into how financial advisors can do better is my guest, Heather Ettinger. Heather is the founder and CEO of Luma Wealth Advisors, a financial planning firm that focuses on helping women manage their money to achieve their goals. Heather is the author of the best-selling book, Lumination, Shining a Light on a Woman's Journey to Financial Wellness. And she co-authored two significant Women of Wealth Studies, highlighting the individualized needs of women. Heather, thank you for joining me today on the Retirement Repair Shop. Please tell us why you chose to focus your financial planning practice on women. Well, thank you so much, Mary Beth, and and thanks to our, our sponsors, Transamerica and Investment News as well. It's an honor to be here. So my story of focusing on women believe it or not, goes back about 30 years. I had been in the industry and had moved back to Cleveland to join family in the business and really looked around and said, what am I going to do that's different? Meanwhile, I had been hooked up with three amazing female philanthropists through the Women's Community Foundation of Cleveland, Ohio, which is one of the national network of women's funds. And this is going back to the late 80s, early 90s. And there were three things that I learned from these women. Number one was that even though their money was truly their money, either earned or came through their side of the family, they did not feel empowered and they were not recognized by the industry as having that influence over their own money. Number two was that only 6% of national funding was going to programs supporting women and girls. And I thought I can get passionate around moving that needle. 
And number three was that if we educate and empower women, they are the agents of social change. So that is my why to this day. And I really, my feet hit the floor every day. So we started focusing our practice around the financial literacy programs, around what was different about what different niches of women needed, widows, divorcees, breadwinner women, et cetera. And then I recruited my best competitor and she joined me about 20 years ago. 21 years ago, to be sure. And we really built the practice from there. So we do serve currently five niches of women, and we really tailor the experience to what's important to them and their specific niche and truly personal story. And I can't tell you, it's been such a rewarding journey of working with these women and meeting other phenomenal women advisors and women clients in my journey. Let's talk about widows specifically. What do financial advisors need to know about this vulnerable and potentially valuable group of clients? Well, first of all, we have to be very much aware that when she first loses her spouse, that really all short-term memory goes. So it's really important to, first of all, be patient. And then secondly, be aware that she needs to have a friend, trusted friend or trusted family member join her for those meetings. Because during the period of grief, it's going to be very difficult for her to start any new relationships with an advisor or to take in any mass amount of information. So that's number one. Secondly, I see two different tracks that typically widows go through. The first is the widow who's pretty organized, a doer, and she stays in that mode. And in order to delay her grief and dealing with it, she's just checking off lists and getting stuff done. And she's really avoiding the important dealing of her grief and getting through that process. So it's really important to help her just check things off the list, but also realize that about four or six months from now, she is probably going to derail as she starts to deal with her grief. The second track I see is the more traditional widow who hasn't been involved in financial matters, isn't comfortable in them, and is going through grief, and she really desperately needs a good advisor and trusted friends or family that are around her to support her during this process. And hopefully, as I said, attend the meetings. Because once she's experiencing that loss, it's hard for her to really take hold of any new concepts or any new information and be able to move forward at probably the pace we need to. So it's really important. I think there are kind of those two tracks. And as I said, some deal with grief, growth, and grace in that process, that three-stage process, but some women will go about it in a different process. And it's important to just give them the space and and share their, their process with you. 
No, it's so fascinating. You mentioned the idea of uh, someone that just plows ahead. So they're so organized and six months later or eight months later, the, the reality hits them. I can remember in the case of my own father. Now, this is 30 years ago. And dad used to call me at six o'clock every Monday night. And he had been dead about six months. And I remember pulling into my garage, looking at my watch and it was five or six. I thought, oh, great. I'll be just in time for dad's call. And that's when it hit me six months later. No, I'd never get another call again. So I think that is so human, that idea of people have a different timeline for their personal grace. And that often your mind is just not functioning in the normal way. And it's so important to have an advocate, whether it's a close friend or a family member, to attend those early meetings to make sure somebody's hearing what's being told because it's not necessarily the widow. Completely agree, Mary Beth. And also when you talk about these different stages of grief, which I love those terms of grief, growth, and grace, there's also different timelines for the actual financial process after the death of a loved one. Talk about how financial advisors can help these widows and their families sort of triage what needs to be done first, what can be put off till later. It's a really important question, Mary Beth. And I think one of the things that we've developed is actually a visual transition plan. And we do it as simply as in Excel, and it lists off the different things that need to be done, what the priority is, if that can be delegated to one of the advisors or a family member, and then what the current status is. And we rank it by priority. So clearly, some of the key first things are that are really tough, by the way, too, is how many death certificates are you going to need and filing for those, discussing estate distributions, understanding where the financial assets are located, and contacting the spouse's employer to find out what benefits may be coming to you, whether it's retirement benefits or insurance, those kinds of things. Importantly, going to the Social Security office, and I know you and I have talked about this during COVID, that's not really possible, but making sure somebody else is on that phone call with you so that you understand what your options are to claim the benefits. And then, of course, it is imperative that you update beneficiary designations and quickly. It's hard to believe, but that is something that's really important. You can always go back and make adjustments later. But of course, if something happens, you want to make sure those assets are properly titled and properly distributed. So those are some of the earlier ones. And then later, you can get to the looking at the investment portfolio and is there a need to be restructuring that? Because that's going to be more based on cash flow and what some of these different benefits are that may be coming to you, such as social security or retirement benefits or updating tax strategies, depending on sometimes there are two homes, where are you living? What's your residence? Where do you want to be? And that is important. I've seen people tell widows, you've got to change your residency to Florida for the tax advantages. 
when her support network is in Cleveland, Ohio. So we need her to really be able to defer that till she knows where she wants to be and what the benefits, the pros and cons are, and the trade-offs for her personally, not just being driven by tax strategy. So those are some of the different ones. We also say try to delay charitable giving until later and try to delay any major gifts to family members until you really have a sense of what is the next couple years going to look like? And then, of course, what's the longer term plan going to look like? Give yourself some space to wait on those big, weighty decisions. Speaking of giving yourself some space, you and I were chatting earlier before this broadcast about a client you had who thought she wanted to move. And you talked to her and said, "Mm, don't don't buy just yet. Why don't you try it out first? Tell us how that worked out. Sure. And it is a really important thing. It's one of the pitfalls we see of sometimes this sense of urgency of I got to move because this was the house I shared with my spouse and it's hard for me. And I absolutely appreciate that. But let me tell you the story of Sherry. So Sherry wanted to move from Atlanta to Charleston and wanted to buy a place. And I said, please wait, because I think you need to try it out. You need to rent where you think you want to be and make sure you've got a supportive community around there because you are moving to a different state and a different area. And I appreciate that you want to do that move, but let's just make sure. So she did rent for several months and came back to me and said, wow, The neighborhood that I thought I wanted to live in wasn't very supportive of single women. And we sometimes find this, that some of the married women aren't as friendly with the single women, feeling a little bit more threatened. And she found another community that had other widows and single women that really became the beginnings of a great social network for her and clearly a support network for her. And she then looked at real estate there, ended up buying a place. And I'm happy to tell you today, nothing gives me more joy about Sherry's situation than watching her post on social media or share pictures with me of her and her girlfriends and the new community that she's living in. It's just, it's wonderful to see. And I'm just glad we had a chance to talk it through with her and still bought the real estate in Charleston, just in a location that would be better for her longer term. Oh, that's such a great story and just illustrates this idea of don't rush into these decisions. There are times for grieving. Now, Sherry sounds like she's in that growth phase of of finding a whole new life after marriage. You know, I know you work so closely with your staff to support your clients and things are different under COVID, aren't they? Tell us how your staff would typically support newly widowed clients and how those roles have had to change a bit during the pandemic. Absolutely. And I think this is really important as a a takeaway for advisors. So typically, we do try to have as many meetings either in her home or in an office space that we created that's all couches and comfy chairs so that she and her trusted friend or family member can come in. 
you want to make sure that's a safe environment. Now, I will also tell you, I immediately engaged my client service manager, Trisha, because she is just very empathetic. And all our client service managers are in this space because we have been working with widows and they're good about kind of coming prepared with paperwork or anything, any tools or those types of things to the meeting. So I often include them too. And I think it's helpful. We also, as I said, spend time in their home, often going through mail and those types of things. There's both on the negative side, the scare of elder fraud and other types of attempted fraud on new widows. But more importantly, there are things that are coming in the mail that actually may have value, may be important, may help us as advisors. And sometimes the widow just doesn't even know what it is. It's not that she isn't smart and all. It's just it may be language around it or something that that she isn't familiar with. And so if we're there opening the mail, we can kind of sort out what is something that needs to be followed up on and what is junk or something that should be set to the side. And then COVID hits, right? So our ability to meet in the home is not there or have them in our office. So it is really important that you do use visual systems such as Zoom or others to have these conversations, that you spend time really talking to her about what's going on in life. But here's some other things that we've done. So the process really for us isn't different whether we're on virtual or in their home because we will still come over and get their mail or whatever else. But some other things that we've done to really help her, especially because she is so isolated now because of COVID. And that is our receptionist, who clearly isn't greeting clients as they walk in right now, has really pivoted. And Lisa is just one of the most wonderful people. And she is reaching out to our widows and asking them about what are they cooking? What are they reading? What are they watching? And just sharing stories. She's also really good, by the way, of Googling people first. So she knows where she can connect with them. And then we've done some other things like we put together a recipe book of recipes from our advisor team, and we sent that out with a note to all our widows over the holidays, just telling them we were thinking about them and we hope they would enjoy this. And then very importantly, we do have, of course, because of Zoom and other things meetings or really celebrations like our holiday party that some of these widows who aren't tech savvy wouldn't be able to participate in. So we've engaged often, I will tell you, it's often the daughter, if there is a daughter, but we've tried to engage the next generation to say, hey, we would love to have your mom participate in our holiday party could you go over there and get her set up on Zoom or whatever so that she has a chance to listen to the wonderful music by the various musicians and just have a festive and fun evening? And so it's been a nice way for us to reach out to the next generation on something that isn't financial or too work-oriented, but it's also just been a wonderful way to make sure that our widows are engaged and able to participate 
in festive and fun events, as well as, of course, the meetings. Well, I think there's so many positive takeaways from how you and your firm have pivoted during COVID. Not only are you finding new ways to reach out to your clients, but being aware, gee, they may not know how to get on Zoom. Let me reach out to her daughter to see if she can help. The daughter must be incredibly impressed that mom's financial advisor is going that extra mile to make sure she can participate in Zoom. I love the idea of collecting the recipes and sending it out to the widows. But it also seems that it's been a growth opportunity for your staff as well. We're always talking about how to bring particularly more women, more diversity into our staffs to make it a more holistic financial planning experience for the clients. Talk about how your staff has been growing during this period. So I think importantly, we have tried to provide different opportunities for them to connect with the clients. And we're very fortunate in that we have a fabulous team of both male and female advisors serving women and their families, whatever that makeup may look like. So we're trying to just really give our staff the opportunity to connect with more clients to, if you will, reach out to people that they wouldn't normally have a chance to talk to. We're also doing things like reaching out to our vendors and making sure that we know all the programs that they're offering around serving women, et cetera, and then opening that up to more staff members and also giving me a chance to coach some of them on best practices and some of my other senior advisors as well. So we're really finding it a good opportunity to come together, share best practices. And as you and I have talked about, Mary Beth, working with widows is not perfect for everyone. It takes a lot of patience. And so you should only be probably working in this space if you are long on patience and understand that there's going to be times where you have to repeat yourself six or eight times before they feel comfortable. And that's why if you can have different staff members reaching out to them, perhaps relaying that message in a little bit different way, it provides a wonderful opportunity for the different staff members to grow and connect and understand the value of what we're delivering. And it also is nice for the client because they feel surrounded, as I like to say, by family. We like to say our, our Luma family is surrounding them. And I think that's really important too. You have also pointed out to me in the past that although you're dealing primarily with female clients, those female clients don't necessarily want to work with a female financial advisor. Talk about how you get a sense of who is a good fit to work with those clients. This is a really important area. So in the first Women of Wealth study we did, we found that widows and divorcees, actually about 90% of women had no preference for a male or female advisor until they went through loss of a spouse or divorce. And then it jumped up four to one in terms of preference of women over men. However, that being said, we should never make an assumption on our side because every woman is different and some women love male attention. And that's not a judgment. It's just 
they they are used to it. They may be a little bit more old fashioned and they like that, if you will, a little bit more senior, older male advisor who might be of peer age. So what we do is we put together male and female teams and then we watch the body language. And I will tell you, some women don't even know. They might tell you they prefer working with a woman. And then you watch the body language and you say, wow, it's clear that she definitely does prefer getting some male attention. So I'll give you an example. I was putting together a team for a widow. And at the time, she was in her mid-70s, I'd say. And I put together a diverse team in terms of age, in terms of gender, and just kind of let it develop over time to see who she felt comfortable with. And it worked out really well because she really, there's certain things that she will always come to me on, but I will tell you that there is an estate planner who is just charming and wonderful and will do some just kind of old fashioned, respectful things for her that she really enjoys. And so I think it's important for us not to pass judgment on people's age or what they bring to the table. It's important to have a diverse group. And then, as I said, you're going to learn a lot just from watching her and who does she turn to both in meetings and who does she also turn to in between meetings. Well, you mentioned that working with widows requires a lot of patience. And you gave the example of in pre-COVID times going through clients' mail. And I believe you were at a financial professional conference telling this story and uh, someone in the audience raised their hand and said, how do you charge for that? Talk about your holistic practice and how do you charge for things like that? Absolutely. So yes, that indeed did happen, Mary Beth. And I did have to take a deep breath before I answered so I wouldn't be too flip. But truthfully, it is important that you understand a normal activity may take much longer because of the grieving process. So in this particular case, we had a widow, but I'm actually going to go back to when her husband was alive. He was diagnosed with cancer and he was in denial. So he really didn't prepare her very well. And truthfully, he wasn't as forthcoming with us as to what was going on. So he deferred doing a lot of things that he probably should have done. And then after he passed, I literally sat in her living room and opened mail for three hours. And in this case, I found in the mail something having to do with stock options, which he had never told us about. And it was a six-figure value to her and with an expiration date, of course, if she didn't file. So it was certainly important from a financial standpoint. But to your point, you have to have the patience to go through these things. You have to have the patience also to tell them, you know, wow, this is one of those scams from an energy company you don't want to respond to this. So you do have to have a lot of patience. And 
as I said to this gentleman, that's part of your overall, whether it's an AUM fee or a retainer that you're charging. You don't charge supplemental time like a lawyer or CPA would. That is just part of the delivery model for the widow. Talk about the importance of just day-to-day finances. For example, you had said to me, often a widow may be completely on her own in her city, no grown children, no close family members. Somebody should have access to that bank account, right? To write a check in the event something happens to the widow. What sort of guidelines do you offer to financial advisors on that topic? And and by the way, this issue is not just confined to widows. Of course, it would be also for divorcees to be thinking about or never married women to think about as well, is who has access to your accounts if you become incapacitated. And we find this most often, of course, as they get older, but it is an issue because if I'm dealing with it right now, If there is a need for 24-7 care and you don't have access to the checking account to pay the caregivers, it's a problem. So you need to be thinking about these things. And it clearly needs to be somebody you trust implicitly. So I think it is important as advisors for us to talk through who the options are, the pros and cons and then how it should be implemented most effectively. So one I saw recently, she actually had her checking account in the name of a trust. That's fine, except that the successor trustee would only be able to write checks upon her demise. And there's a need now. So we actually suggested that she set up a joint checking account with her most trusted nephew, who she adores and has always been there for her, so that he could pay the caregivers if she was unable to. And that is really important. So I think you need to talk through what the options are. You don't just want to have somebody do it that could potentially, of course, not be responsible. But there are a lot of different strategies here. And the custodians, by the way, have been very good about coming forward with authorizations as well that you can get set up in advance so that you're not waiting for somebody to resign as trustee, that you can have them with power of attorney over the financial matters if you become incapacitated. So it's really, really important to be thinking about all those things. And again, I joke with my client service managers that thank goodness for them because they're so good with these details. Detail is not always my strength. I'm looking at the big picture. So it is really important to have a team that's thinking about both the big picture things and how we're implementing, but also making sure all those little details are taken care of and they're raising questions. They feel comfortable coming to the advisor and saying, hey, I noticed that the beneficiaries haven't been redone or something along those lines. It's really, really important to work as a team. Speaking of teams, you've been referring to the teams within your own firm, but when you're working with clients, they may have other professionals they're working with, an estate planning attorney, a CPA, maybe someone who specializes in senior housing issues. 
How do you coordinate all the aspects of a client's life with these other professionals? Coordinating the the aspects of a client's life are really important. And it's one of the things I'm really proud of with Luma is that we often talk about how we're really helping her manage the life of the family, not just financial matters. And to your point, we will connect her to other professional advisors that are a good fit if they're GAPS, CPA, estate planner. We also will help her with transitions when it becomes evident that a member of that team is not acting in her best interest. We do annual meetings typically with the other advisors or at least getting their input ahead of time so that she's really getting the whole big picture of her team of advisors. And I could tell a horror story, which I'd be happy to if you would like me to, but I think that's really important. But we also need to be able to connect her. And it's one of the things we do at Luma to, for example, senior care managers who can identify what is the right facility or service for her to have. If she can afford in-home care, how does she get connected with those service providers? Or if it's she needs to deal with facilities, I'll give you a great example. When my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, you call the Alzheimer's Association, and they sent me locations in seven counties. Well, that wasn't particularly helpful because all it did was overwhelm me, and I didn't know kind of how to muddle through it and figure out what was best for my dad. A senior care manager will come in and say, based on the socioeconomic position of the client, based on where family is, based on whatever their diagnosis is, here are the top facilities that you should go look at. So really just helping guide us through those things. So again, you know, for a widow, understanding if she's having surgery, how do you ensure she's going to have 24-7 care when she comes home if that's what she needs to make sure she doesn't fall or something like that? Another one, fall alerts. They're living by themselves. Biggest scare is that they fall and they can't get to a phone. So having those services available to them as well. So you really need to think about all the things that may touch their life and start building those strategic partnerships as a firm so that you can make those referrals when they need them. Well, Heather, you certainly do have a a full service firm here. And I bet a lot of advisors listening to this podcast would love to know about different resources or tips Any place that you can direct our audience to learn more how to become a full-service advisor to widows? Well, of course, I'm going to say our website, which is www.lumawealth.com. We do most of our social media and our posts are really around managing life. They're not just around managing finances. So I think you'll find a lot of valuable content there. Also, the First Women of Wealth study you can find on our website as well. And despite the fact that it was published in 2012, it is still very relevant. And there is a section in there on widows and what is typically unique and what they're looking for from advisors that may be different from divorcee, traditional married woman, et cetera. But do look at the traditional married woman as well, because one of her biggest concerns is actually the health of her spouse. So there are things that are already on her mind 
and you need to be talking to her ahead of a crisis. Then I would also say a favorite book of mine is No Longer Awkward by Amy Florian. You and I both know Amy. She's done some good work in this space based on her own personal experience and losing her spouse early in her life, early in her marriage, really. And so I think it's a really good resource of how to have some of the tougher conversations. And also it has a bunch of great checklists and all in there. So I think that is a good good book as well. And uh, I would also say, I'm going to be a little self-promotional here, but my book Lumination is really about managing life, not just finance. So it'll give you a framework by which to have some of these discussions around life, which is really truthfully what she wants to talk about. She doesn't really want to talk just about finances. So check out Lumination as well. And you can find that both on Amazon and Barnes and Noble as well as hopefully coming soon to both Amazon and Overdrive, which is who supplies eBooks to the libraries. Well, Heather, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Is there anything you wanted to add? Any last minute tips or ideas that we may have missed? I do want to add one other thing, and that is really think about opportunities to celebrate the loss of her loved one. And I know that may sound a bit strange, but first of all, be absolutely aware of what their anniversary date is, what his date of birth, if it was a traditional marriage, date of birth was, and what the date of death was. And make sure that on those days you reach out to her or somebody on your team does just to say, we know this is a tough day. You talked about losing your dad. I will tell you, two toughest days of the year for me are my dad's birth date and my dad's date of death. So it is important to recognize those, but also think of going beyond that. So I'm going to give you a quick story. We have a fabulous widow client. We worked with her husband when he was alive and he was an amazing artist in the photography world. And on the fifth anniversary of his passing, we were able to help coordinate a special exhibit of his collection of proofs, the contact sheets. And it was an amazing experience helping her pull that together. She did all the the tough stuff in terms of picking which ones and those kinds of things. But the other thing we did is we came to her And we worked with, of course, the museum and the potential gift for the museum. So the tax issues and all those things getting there. But probably most importantly to her, at least, and she is not somebody who ever wants to be in the limelight, unlike her deceased husband, who was great at being in the limelight. We asked her if she wanted to perhaps do a special reception where she could tell the story behind the story of how he collected all these contact sheets of these various photographers around the world and engage her daughter in that discussion. And I have to tell you, when I think of the highlights of my career, that was one of them. So they did just an evening where we could invite clients, where they told the story behind the story. It was a multi-gen celebration and it meant so much to them which 
of course, is why we started going down that path. But I will tell you, there wasn't an advisor or client or anybody in attendance that didn't feel just a special magic that night as we celebrated his life and his collection. And so think of those opportunities where you can kind of go above and beyond and do something special for the family. I think that is terrific advice because remember the heart of financial planning is for a life well lived and helping each of your clients do that and remember the highlights of their lives. Heather, thank you for joining me today on the Retirement Repair Shop and for explaining how focusing on the needs of widows can forge a stronger relationship between advisor and client. And you've also demonstrated how it can extend that relationship to the next generation. So I'd like to thank you and to our sponsor, Transamerica, for allowing us to have this very important conversation. Thanks, Heather. Thank you, Mary Beth. As always, it is a pleasure to be with you. And I just appreciate the opportunity to tell stories and give tips to serve this really important group of women and hopefully make a difference in their lives. Thank you. This podcast, The Retirement Repair Shop, has been brought to you by Transamerica. Thank you for supporting these important conversations. Transamerica Resources Incorporated is an Aegon company that is affiliated with various companies that include, but are not limited to, insurance companies and broker-dealers. Transamerica Resources, Inc. does not offer insurance products or securities. The information provided is for educational purposes only, should not be considered as insurance, securities, ERISA, tax, investment, legal, medical, or financial advice or guidance. Please consult your personal independent professionals for answers to your specific questions.